Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast, and I am your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. Now, today's episode, I want to talk about Texas Senate Bill 3. Now, my reason that I want to talk about Texas Senate Bill 3 is because if you've been following along with the platform for a while, you've heard me state multiple times, I'm from Mississippi, I'm from Mississippi, I'm from Mississippi. Mississippi is a Republican-led state. Texas is a Republican-led state. Texas is probably the most influential Republican-led state, whereas California is probably the most influential Democratic-led state. And one of the things that I feel that is very, very interesting is that if you're in a Democratic state, look at what's going on in California, because it probably won't be long before those particular legislations and some of those particular bills and things are going to be passed within your state. Uh, If you're in a Republican-led state like myself, I have to look to states like Texas and look at some of the provisions and legislation that they are laying out on the table and realize that, okay, well, it won't be long before these particular things, you know, make it to the desk in Mississippi and they're going to be passed and they're going to be made into laws. So Senate Bill 3 is a bill, from my understanding, from my research, is a bill that is based around educational teachings, things that are going to be prohibited um, as required reading or required learning that prior to this particular bill, they were required readings. Now, According to one of the articles that I read, it wasn't stated um, blatantly or it wasn't stated, obviously, within the context of it. But this particular bill is in a response, a strong response that critical race theory, uh, the 1619 Project, are things that would not be allowed to be discussed within the state of Texas from a school setting, right? Those are particular type of things. They felt that obviously, and I'm just just taking this in from from what I'm reading, that the biggest thing that they don't want is that they don't want white children, and they didn't say this specifically, but obviously when we're talking about things like this and we're talking about the particular um, climate that we're in now, uh, white children under attack, right? White children are under attack for things that their ancestors did, right? And so one of the things that they don't want is they don't want to cause any discomfort. They don't want to cause any anguish. They don't want to cause any guilt to young white children, as well as white adults as well. They don't want to cause any type of discomfort, any type of anguish for them to feel guilty or discomfortable about things that have transpired in the past that have allowed for them to have the privilege that they have today. And I want to pause shortly when we talk about privilege, because one of the things that I want to address is that one of the things that you may hear from white people is to say that white privilege isn't real or I'm white. I don't have any privilege. And one of the things that we have to understand is someone will say stuff like that 
because they've read you. They know that you will take time out and express to them what it is that you know. They already know this particular stuff, right? Because they, 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 a lot of them are deceptive, right? So they'll say that you that they don't have any privilege. So you can you can combat that one or two ways. You can say, well, okay, leave it at that, right? Or you can take the scholarly, academic, academic route, and you can talk to them about the privilege that they know that they have. Right. Because one of the things that they try to do is they try to put privilege, their privilege in minuscule terms, when in actuality, the ability not to be stereotyped while you walk into the store, the ability to not be asked certain questions to dictate how a person will respond to you, the ability to have businesses that are seemingly majority white people in there, the ability to get lower interest on certain loans and things like this, things that are just not necessarily so abundantly obvious, right? And the best one of all, the ability to not feel like your target when a police is checking license or if a police just happens to pull you over. That's a privilege in itself. So you can take the you can take that particular route and you can you can go into that particular stuff. And some of them, you know, they may be responsive to it and say, Oh, well, I never thought about that, right? In which to me, honestly, it's kinda hard to believe some of that particular stuff. But hey, you know, you may have a, a couple of them that genuinely you know, don't feel that particular way. But, or again, you could do like I do. If a situation like that presents itself, I just say, oh, well, okay, cool. And leave it at that. There's no seat. There's no sense in me doing that because you're trying to bait me into something that you already know. So I'm not going to waste time or energy or breath telling you something that you already know. And it's a lot of us that, that do that. You're talking to a person that knows exactly what it is that you're going to tell them because they've mastered the art of conflict from a verbal situation, right? So, one of the things that, um, you know, moving right along, so now I want to talk about some of the things that they said that have been prohibited from being discussed in school. Now, this this particular bill or this particular, my, my particular introduction to this particular bill was stated that Texas is banning schools from talking about Martin Luther King and civil rights, right? Depending on the publications that you get your information from, you know, they'll pull out certain things that get, you know, get people agitated, get people going, right? You know, depending on your ethnic background, they know that we black people are sometimes overly emotional. So, you know, so certain things, certain attacks on certain things get, get people agitated, but... I like to remain level-headed, and I like to go find the information myself. So I'm just going to go as quickly as I can and talk about the things that they are prohibiting as far as documents, okay? So the Martin Luther King Jr. letter from a Birmingham jail, I have a dream speech 
the Brown versus Board of Education, which if you don't know, um, established school segregation is un unconstitutional. The Schneider Act of 1924, which granted citizenship to indigenous people or Native Americans. I just want to stop there for a second because it's interesting that we have two words here, indigenous and native, which means that y'all are from this particular place. And the fact that a act had to be passed in 1924 that granted natives and indigenous people citizenship when they have been over here in this particular country since 1865. Crazy. Ours is 1776, whichever, which, whichever one it is. I, 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 I'm not such a, a history major. No, 1619. How about that? 1619. These people have been here since 1619. It took our way to 1924 <laughs> before an act was passed to say that we'll grant y'all citizenship. And y'all was already here. My goodness. Emancipation Proclamation, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the 26th Constitutional Amendment, which stated that the voting age would be 18. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit decision in Mendez versus Westminster. Uh, seemingly, this was a court decision that was a precursor to the Brown versus Board of Education. Frederick Douglass's narrative of a life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. The Life and Works of Cesar Chavez, The Life and Work of Dolores Hutera. I may be pronouncing her name wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, the History and Importance of Women's Suffrage Movement to Gain the Right to Vote, including the Declaration of Sentiments and Writings by Susan B. Anthony and Abigail Adams. The Life and Works of Dr. Hector P. Garcia, Texas Civil Rights Advocate and Founder of the GI Forum. The American GI Forum, which advocated for the rights of Hispanics, particularly for veterans. Hernandez versus Texas, which was a landmark civil rights case, ensuring due process for all ethnic and racial groups. The League of United Latin American Citizenship, the first nationwide Mexican-American civil rights organization. Um, some of the other things that are prohibited. That one race or sex is inherently superior to another. An individual by virtue of their race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Um, an individual moral character can be determined by their race or sex. An individual bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of their race or sex. And this is what I touched on a little bit earlier. An individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of their race or sex. So that goes along with what I said earlier about they don't want white children feeling any signs of discomfort, guilt, anguish, or other psychological distress. The values of mediocrity and hard work or races or sexes or were created by members of a particular race to oppress members of another race. The advent of slavery in the United States constituted the true founding of the nation. Slavery and racism or anything other than deviations from betrayals of or failures to live up to the authentic found principles of the United States. So that's a list of the things that are prohibited. 
Now, these are some of the things that would be required. They found the documents and excerpts from Alexis Deed Torquilleville. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last name right, but the Democracy in America. The transcript of the first Lincoln-Douglas debate, the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964, the 13th Amendment to, to the Constitution, which abolished slavery, the 14th Amendment, which gave former slaves citizenship and the right to vote, 19th Amendment, which granted women the right to vote, the historic relationship between Texas and Mexico and the diversity of the Hispanic population in Texas, some sick civic skills such as the ability to determine the reliability of information sources so those are some of the things that are required now <laughs> history is before I, before i say that i, I want to tell you something that i asked my wife one time I asked my wife i said uh what do you feel is the most important subject? And she told me math. I said, I don't think so. I said, history. I said, history has to be and is, in my opinion, the most important subject. The importance of it is that certain other, like, math is math, right? Two plus two equals four unless you are caught up in the this, this new... <laughs> idiotic mindset that that's going on so so two plus two equals four okay let's 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 just start that two plus two equals four there's no way around it there's no there's no way that you can manipulate that that two plus two doesn't equals four english writing right there's no way that you can manipulate that words are not spelled the correct way there's no way that you can manipulate that comma you know, subject verb agreements and all this particular stuff like this. You can't manipulate that. Science, right? Um, H2O, right? Hydrogen and two oxygen makes water, right? You can't dispute that. History. One of the things that we always know, and one of the sayings is to the victor, to the victor goes to spoils. And history is written based on the perception of the people that won, right? So they can omit pieces of history. They can twist history to not make it seem a certain way. And so one of the things that I have to, that you have to realize and that I realized is that individuals that won, right? Individuals that are perceived to be winners you're not going to get them to change history to be more fair, to be more of an accurate account of the way things are unless you defeat them. And you don't defeat them by this political system that we have. If we understand anything about this particular country, if you don't want to adhere to the mindset of this country was founded on slavery principles, then we can adhere to the situation that this country was founded based on the fact that they no longer wanted to be under European rulership and they wanted to be an independent nation. So what did they do? They fought for it. 
They didn't go and draft documents and all this particular stuff and said, hey, we don't want child to continue to do this to us. No, they took up arms. Right. They took up arms. Right. So same thing goes with the Civil War. Right. People say it was fought over slavery. That has been debunked. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't fought over slavery. It was economics, pure and simple economics. Um, what did they do? They didn't They didn't say, you know, the North didn't come to the South and say, well, hey, you know what? Um, how about we do this? You know, how about we come in and, and, and y'all cut back on a little slavery. We bring a little manufacturing down here and maybe we get a little slavery up there and we kind of work out like that. No, it took up arms. Right. So, no, I'm not advocating for taking up arms. But what I'm advocating for is that if we're going to talk about the history of this particular country, we also have to look at how things actually get done in this particular country. And it only gets to a pen and a piece of paper after something violent has transpired. Right. Um, It kind of makes me think about a personality, a person I listen to, um, his name is uh, Percy Demerson, goes by OG Percy, and he, he tells, like, uh, stories about his times in, in like, the Brexit, the Texas um, prison system, and he talked about how he ended up being, like, becoming, like, a high-ranking um, person within his organization, and he said his motto was violence begets order. He said, there's no violence, there's no order. So, and, and those are, I feel like those are principles that are here in America, that violence begets order. Without violence, there's no order, right? So, that's the way I look at it. So, we get back to the whole thing about, you know, about history and the most important uh, particular um, subject. Now, when we get into this entire situation where we have what's going on in Texas and what they feel needs to be taught to children, um, and you you had some people that were, obviously you had people in the opposition that basically said that history is supposed to be uncomfortable. History is supposed to make you feel maybe a little guilt, a little anguish, you know, certain things like this, you know, it should make you feel that way. Right. And another person said that basically they're tying the hands of the teachers to the point to where they they are not allowed to talk about current societal issues. Right. Obviously, talking about the things that are transpiring in this particular country from a racial standpoint, a racial context, you a teacher as a teacher, you can't really talk about that particular type of stuff. And that gets me to my next point, right? So prior to this, I wanted to make sure that I try to be as accurate with a lot of stuff as I can be. Sometimes I have inaccuracy, so I'm man enough to admit that I have certain inaccuracies, right? So I wanted to, so I said what well, I want to look at the demographics of teachers within this particular country. So according to the information that I have, which was taken in the year, the years of the school year of 2017 and 2018, 
the demographic of teachers was 79% white. And it was stated that the average teacher is a white female, 43 years of age, with an average of 10 years of teaching experience, right? So that gets me to the next point. The fact that you're making a... And obviously, you know, there's a nice representation. Well, no, no, let me let me let me say that there's not a nice representation. There's a horrible representation of black teachers within a particular school system, which kind of coincides with the podcast that I was supposed to record where I was talking about how black families are looking to opt more into homeschooling. Now, some people are homeschool advocates. Me personally. Uh, I stated that me and my wife had come to the conclusion that we are going to not homeschool our children. You can go to public school or, you know, private school or more public school because I'm not the private school because, uh, you know, I, I don't care about all the particular stuff like that. But I want to make a conscientious effort to make sure that I teach my child as much stuff as I can. Me and my child can learn together. We're better that way. I feel that if you're committed to helping your child learn, then you don't have to worry about these particular different things, right? You don't have to worry about those particular different things because they understand the truth. They understand what's going on, right? But, and I like even numbers, right? I don't like odd numbers, right? My favorite number is 14. I don't like odd numbers, right? <laughs> so let's just say 80% of the teachers are white females, right? So one of the things that, kind of coincides again with the black parents being more conscientious about trying to homeschool their children is the aspect that one of the articles that I read stated that going all the way back to slavery times if a black person learned a particular skill, if a black person learned how to read right, or write something of a particular nature they had the Wherewithal, the mindset to want to go back and to show it to their their peers. They want to go show it to other black people. They want to teach other black people. So innately, we want to teach our people. We want to be teachers to our people innately, right? So when we, and studies have been conducted to show that black children perform better with black teachers, Versus white teachers. Obviously, again, this is just percentages, right? Nothing is definite, right? Not saying that every single black child is going to perform better because they have a black teacher or vice versa. The numbers just indicate that a higher percentage of black students perform better when they have a black teacher in front of them, right? So getting back to this historical context in which we're talking about. Let's just say, for instance, we're talking about, you know, obviously we're talking about um, a touchy subject, right? Let's say we're talking about a touchy subject. I can't expect my average white teacher who's female and 43 years of age to adequately explain something that is uncomfortable as far as whether. And another thing that they talked about is said that Texas, they were banning to they were banning the t to talk about the Ku Klux Klan as being morally wrong, right? So it was another thing that was um highlighted, right? But getting back to this particular point. You forty three years old, right? Average 
white female. And we're talking about a historical, something historical. Let's just say, for instance, we're talking about uh, white water fountains, black water fountains. Let's just say, let's just use that as a, a point of reference. You can look at that from a particular book, right? You can look at that from a book. You may even reach back and say, I have a relative who's still alive, who still remembers that uh, particular point in time, right? Now, I don't know if you're telling the truth. I'm, the, I'm, I'm a black student. I don't know if you're telling the truth. You can get up there. You can tell me anything, right? I don't, I'm not so stuck on it to the point that I'm going to go back and go, do research. But you could literally get in the front of the classroom and tell me that, oh, well, yeah, my, my, my grandmother, she were, she grew up in those particular times and and she was a staunch uh, person that stated that it shouldn't have been like that. And you could <laughs> you could be flat out lying, right? Because obviously you're not gonna you're not about to paint your grandmother in a in a in a bad light <laughs> when probably seven out of ten times she probably felt that whites and blacks needed to separate water fountains, right? Me as a black student, it kind of made me feel good because it's because because one of the things that I feel like you know certain white people try to do they try to show that oh well you know I'm a nice white person right there's some you know obviously there there that white people have you know good intentions right you know but I'm under the impression I feel like more of them have bad intentions but you know it is what it is I don't have time to sit up here and try to figure out who are they all morally good white people and who are the morally bad white people. I don't have time to, to sit up here and try to decipher and dictate who these particular people are, right? I don't have time for that. But again, get back to that. That's a nice story. Make make everyone in the, in the classroom feel good. But, if I got a black teacher, 43 years old, and she says that her grandmother lived during that time and she remembers vividly that that particular water found, the water didn't flow just as, as, as nice. The water wasn't as clear. The water fountain, sometimes the water fountain didn't even work. Right? It didn't work. Right? Or sometimes the white kids may say, y'all can't even drink here today. Right? That hits me. Because what this is going to do is it's going to make me as a black student go ask my grandmother. Grandmother, is this true? You know, it's, 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 it's going to make me feel like something like that happened. Right now, me right now, I have uh, two aunt, well, two relatives. I have uh, an aunt that's in her 70s, uh, attending the HBCU was an English teacher for a long period of time. I have an uncle um, in his 70s, HBCU grad, went on to have a, you know, a nice professional career, right? I can go up to either one of them because they were old enough to remember. Then I had another uncle who uh, recently passed away, but he remembers going to a, uh, a store and not being able to walk through the front door and remember when they would call you boy, and remember when there were no opportunities in the South and they had to move to the North, right? So that gives me a closer bond to that teacher because we we can exchange stories. We, we, we can feel like that we both came from the, 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 same, the same thing, right? 
It's touching. I can't do that with the white teacher. I can't go to my black grandmother, my my black aunt, or my black uncle, and and ask them, "Oh, do you remember any white people that that felt that the fountain shouldn't have been segregated? That they, if the water fountain didn't work, do you remember if they let you drink from the white fountain?" They probably look at me like, "Huh? What? Who who said that? Right?" So that's another thing. When when we talk about this particular different thing, because obviously from from all intents and purposes, the teacher union, similar to the police union, are two of the strongest unions. And their job in a union is is to protect their employees. So, again, this is privilege that they can go up here and they can vote. And say that hey, these this is not going to be material that that we need to 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 talk about within particular schools. And my thing is, is that black people, African Americans, Moors, or whatever it is that 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 you are or we are going by, it becomes even more imperative that we feel the need to to. To talk about these particularly different things. Um, one of the personalities that I follow um, righteously, um, and some people may have some disparaging things to say about him, you know, but I don't try to get too caught up in the the persona of a person. I, I like to attach myself to the information, to the message. Um, his name is Tyreek Nasheed. Tyreek Nasheed is in the process right now of looking to raise money to fund and create a museum called the Hidden History Museum. Now, one of the things that he said was interesting is that in order to tell history accurately, black people need to be in charge of it, right, to tell an accurate account of history. Because a lot of museums that are African-American-based, they have inaccuracies. They don't do the right justice. Now, obviously, full transparency, I went to the Civil Rights Museum in Atlanta. I was excited, right? This was probably the first time me and my wife went to Atlanta. We got engaged in Atlanta on this day, and we went to the Civil Rights Museum. And so we go to the museum, and it was interesting, but halfway through the museum, I was like, we're in Atlanta, right? Atlanta was a a city that was prominent. It's it's in the South. So uh, an accurate civil rights museum should have been more oriented to the black suffrage, the black struggle. But as we got to another floor, it was Mahat, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, I remember that on one side of the wall, they had like people that were dubbed to be nice people. And then on the other side of the wall, I remember they had a, a, a depiction of Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler. And so I was really, really disappointed in that particular museum because I thought I went in. I thought as I was going in there, because, again, me being ignorant, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, depends. When I see the word civil rights, I automatically associate civil rights with black empowerment or the black struggle, the black struggle for acceptance and progression or progress 
in this particular country. And that museum, when I left out of there, I didn't feel that way. And my wife, you know, she's not as in tune with a lot of this stuff like I am. And she could tell that <laughs> I was I was upset. And so I told my wife, I said, the next time I come home, there's a civil rights museum in the capital of my state, in, you know, in Jackson. I said, I want to go. And she said, well, you can go by yourself. You know, she she wasn't, you know, she says that, but I'm sure she'd probably go with me. But I said, I want to go see. I want to go see if it's similar to what I saw in Atlanta. Or is it going to really give me a real good um, explanation? I've heard mixed reviews about the Smithsonian Museum in D.C., you know. I'm sure, I mean, obviously, of course, I'm about to, you know, make my way over there and, and see things. You know, some of the people that I've I listened to said that, obviously, again, it didn't give a, a right um, an accurate account, you know, certain things were left out, certain people were left out, and things like that. But again, you know, something like that, I, I have to go and I have to experience and I have to see it for myself because sometimes you'll go off of secondhand information and you'll use it as if it's firsthand information when you have no firsthand experience doing it, right? So I want to go see it for myself. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting these particular laws and these particular things to end up being passed in Mississippi. I don't know when, you know, but I'm sure that will be. I'm sure there will be a little <laughs> fake <laughs> um, backlash, you know, stuff like that, because people are going to feel like, oh, we can't do this. You know, similar to with this, you know, voting rights stuff or whatever like this, because that's just what it does. All right. But you know, to wrap this up and to, to draw a conclusion, I'm sure by now if you've been rocking with me for a period of time, you understand how I feel about this particular stuff. And I just, the only thing I can take away from this is that, okay, we have to do more, right? You have to, my thing, my, the thing about it is, is that while it's a very diverse Group or a very diverse list of things that they are prohibiting, and the things that they are allowing that they are inhibiting, it's not as diverse, but it has a little diversity to it. But my thing is, is that if I don't know all my history or a good chunk of my history, I don't need to be subjected to learning your history, right? I'm not saying I shouldn't learn your history whatsoever. My thing about it is, is that I need to know my history. I need to know where I came from. I need to know more about Martin Luther King than he gave a speech. Yeah, I have a dream speech. I don't understand about this, his 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 poor person's uh, campaign. I, I need to understand um, what motivated him to say that he had integrated his people into a burning house. I know about. I want to know more about that. You know, so there, 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 there are a multitude of other different things, and 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 also, the aspect of just learning about certain historical people in the black context, because one of the things about it is that I feel like you get too caught up with black people, and black people are quick to go to particular, depending on how in-depth you go with it. They're quick to go to a quote from Martin or quick to go to a, a quote from from Malcolm, right? 
when there are other quotes and there are other historical black figures that made profound quotes that did a lot of particular different things. But you put a limit to, you put a limit on it. And another thing that was stated in, you know, a person that was um in opposition of it was saying that okay if this is starting at the elementary and the high school level then it's it's only going to make its way up to the uh, college level right and so my thing about it is is that it's similar to anything i feel like in order if 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 you're concerned about it polluting your children at the elementary or high school level or the college level that means that you as a parent have to be more proactive at a younger age because you know they're not going to learn these particular things at school but there is no law or things that are prohibiting this particular information. Even though you have situations where certain information is trying to be wiped away, certain books are prohibited from being sold or certain books are out of print. You have to go to certain locations to get this particular type of information. You know, so that that's that's another thing that's that's also that has been going on for you know for quite a while now. Right? So you know what that being said? Um, it's another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. Back to you again next week. Peace.